What's up everyone? Thank you for tuning into Open World. I'm Adrian and today I'm joined by Fiara. In this episode, we speak with Gustav Arentoff, who is the business development representative at MakeItDAO. MakeItDAO is a decentralized organization developing technology for borrowing and saving in the form of DAI, stable cryptocurrency. We cover Gustav's background, the convergence of DeFi and NFTs, collateralized NFTs, growing community at Maker, and new exciting developments. With each weekly Open World episode, we will be releasing unlimited edition NFT. To collect these, please make sure you listen for the secret password which you can use to claim your very own digital collectible. You can find these instructions in the description or on our Twitter. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes or NFT drops. Thank you for joining. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Open Worlds. Hi, Gustav. Thanks for coming on Open Worlds today. It's a real pleasure to have you on. How have you been doing? Uh, thank you very much for having me, Adrian. I've, I've been doing uh, quite well, you know, all things considered. So I would love to get a bit of a background. How was life growing up? Um, where did you study? And, uh, what did I look like before crypto? Yeah, <clears throat> so um, like from like a very young age, I've always been very interested in, in tech. Uh, I remember, you know, all the way back in elementary school, me and one of my friends were like tinkering around with, with you know, him building his first computer. Uh, and I used to be very into video games as well. Um, and then I think, you know, some, some time during my teen years, uh, I, I, you know, made the transition into, you know, being more interested in, in, in the technology itself. Um, I also, uh, all the way back in, in high school in, in like 2012, uh, tinkered about with Bitcoin a little bit for the first time. Uh, but back then, you know, it, it was uh, like very, very introductionary. And we just kind of like, you know, was talking about like Tor browsing and, and, and you know, Bitcoin is not as an asset, but more just as, you know, something that was like fun to check out. Um, I, I studied uh, economics and uh, software development. Uh, so, you know, another big uh, interest of mine is, is uh, economics. So I <clears throat> also started investing in stocks from, from a relatively young age. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, uh, during, during my studies, I had the opportunity to go abroad uh, to Argentina. Um, and... Uh, when I, when I did that, I ended up, you know, finishing uh, some uh, economic studies at a university out there. And then uh, shortly after, I got offered a job and then I, I decided to stay. Uh, so that was like my, my first like serious, you know, introduction to, to crypto. This was, uh, you know, around in 2017, 2018. So, you know, everything was kind of like going a little bit crazy. And, and, you know, when I got out there, I, you know... I was changing, you know, dollars to pesos and like big storefronts. And when I started working, I needed to have a way of, of you know, not getting hit by the inflation. It was pretty bad uh, that year. Uh, so, you know, by sure randomness, I ended up uh, living with a guy who was running a mining operation uh, and doing uh, OTC trading from, from our apartment. Uh, that was, however, like, uh, you know, a very uh, money-focused part of, of crypto that I kind of like, was part of out there, but, you know, really gave me like a good understanding of why it's needing in, in, in emerging markets like this. Um, and then when, when I got the opportunity to, to change my job before I, I did consulting and business development for a software company, we also did some, some, uh, some uh, crypto, like blockchain Ethereum projects. Um, and then when, when I got the chance to switch to Maker, uh, I packed up my stuff after a little bit more than a year and a half and I moved back to Denmark. and. I've been here since, and then now I, I'm mostly doing the European and African business development for Maker. Uh, but last year, I spent a lot of time in Asia, setting up our business departments out there. Uh, spent around three and a half months out there. Uh, so I would say, like, I have like a pretty decent overview and a lot of uh, good industry connections in in, in those regions. Um, and then, yeah, so so I've been with Maker for for like uh, a little bit more than two years, two years now. Um, so it's it's been a, it's been a pretty interesting journey to be part of, um, that's for sure. It sounds like a really exciting opportunity, and uh, it sounds like it really prepared you for, I guess, your career so far. I'm seeing crypto. What was the turning point for you to decide actually crypto and this space was where you wanted to kind of, I guess, work in and actually uh, dedicate most of your kind of time and energy? Yeah, I, I always knew that um, I would want to work in emerging technologies. Uh, 
I'm I'm a I'm a person that I you know I, I love to you know uh, digest new information and and you know I'm, I I think I have like a pretty fast paced uh, spirit. So I knew that I wanted to work in emerging technologies, um, and and at the point where I I got the chance to switch to crypto, I was in a situation you know where my my local salary uh, de- like deflated so much because like uh, there was so high inflation, right? So like it deflated so much. So I actually had like I wasn't at the point yet where I had you know like any financial troubles, but uh, you know my my uh, regular expenses, uh, you know, just like paying rent and you know wanting to go back home once in a while and stuff like that, that exceeded my my salary. Just you know, not even counting my expenses. So I was in a situation where I had to look for new opportunities. Um, so so I think at, at that point and after having used crypto for quite a while in Argentina, uh, it was like a pretty easy transition for me to kind of like. Uh, you know, want to want to spend my full time uh, uh, doing this. Do you think your time in Argentina really highlighted the kind of importance and value from kind of crypto and what it provides? I mean, I think at least you know I, I come from Denmark, right, which is probably one of the most you know shielded countries you, you can come from, right? We probably have one of the most well functioning welfare systems. You don't really, I mean, you, you can go like a, a very easy. You know, traditional way where you don't really have to ever have any worries, um, and, and you know, life is just kind of like a little bit easy. So I think it definitely exposed me to some of the hardships that that you know can be in these uh, economies where you know the local financial infrastructure just simply doesn't work, right? Um, so you know, and and afterwards, I've been working quite a quite a lot with emerging economies, first in in Asia and, and now also in Africa, and we also have some of the European countries that definitely is lagging a little bit behind. Uh, so I think it definitely gave me some some key insights into some of the you know problem problems and, and troubles that are in these countries. Um, so I think it's it's definitely like a, an experience I'm very very happy I had. And on your journey to kind of understanding crypto and DeFi and all these use cases, and as we know, it can be quite complicated, right? For anyone that's kind of joining the rabbit hole, shall we say, what has been kind of helpful for you to learn about this and add any kind of books or things you've read? Resources or tools you kind of use to yeah understand everything. Um, I think I think like before it was a lot about like going to conferences, right? Uh, I think there's like so much good content being put out, especially in the places like you know ETC, DevCon, and some of like the bigger uh, Ethereum focused conferences. There's a lot of great speakers at these days. You know, a lot of the info material is is online, uh, so I think that that makes it a little bit easier to digestible. Um, I also I haven't read it yet personally, but uh, I've heard very good about uh, the Russo's uh, book uh, about Ethereum. So I think like right now there's so much material available online. I would also you know uh, recommend people to you know potentially you know pick a part of the space that they they want to focus on initially, because if you if you try to dive into the deeper deep end of the pool with with everything that's going on, there's so much information right, and the space is moving very fast. Uh, but I think you know over time, if you're able to like pick up bits and pieces from from these different, those a little bit scattered uh, events and and the information that is out there, then I think you're able to build up like a pretty substantial uh, knowledge pool about the topics. Yeah, that's super cool. And with your time kind of at Maker Foundation, what's your day to day look like? Um, so I think like my 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 day day to days, and I still do quite a bit of work with Asia. So I usually get up uh, and have you know a couple of calls with. Some of our Asian par- partners or you know, some of my colleagues out there, uh, I still you know help uh, a little bit with the Korean market. Do a lot of our work in, in Japan, for example, uh, around Singapore as well, China. So I, I usually get up and have like some some morning calls, um, and then you know in the afternoon, you know it's more more in Europe, and then in the evening we we have the US. It's like a very you know global position to be in. So you kind of like have. But I guess that's the good thing about Europe, right? We can kind of like cater to all time zones without being it like too much of a burden for us. We can kind of still, we can't, we cannot really have a nine to five, but we can, you know, if, if we're okay at, you know, like managing our time a little bit, then, then you know, we, we can kind of like take part in everything. I think it's like a really good location uh, for me to be in. Um, and then I think in, in regards to like the goals that, that I have, um, I think I think we're going to touch upon it a little bit bit later on when we talk about the importance of DeFi. Um, but but you know from personal experience, seeing how you know some local financial system simply doesn't work, and this is you know a, 
very well documented and, and very real uh, thing all over the world that just simply have some economies that are being left out. Uh, and I think that, that the opportunity that, that a protocol like Maker, um, you know, it's starting to get there, but especially in the future, really gives the opportunity to include people into a global economy, uh, you know, where there's no bias towards them because they come from a, a different a specific region or, you know, a specific country. Um, but, but, you know, they, they can kind of like join uh, the global economy rather than, you know, being uh, held back by these like siloed, uh, you know, you could always call them like failed, uh, almost call them failed economies, right? So I think that that's like a pretty big uh, personal goal for me. So I don't know, right now we, we see a lot of the progress coming uh, from the West, but, but I think a lot of us, uh, at least me and uh, I know a lot of people from Maker, we, we really hope that this will benefit people uh, who need it the most, right? Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hope to, you know, hit uh, 20% of, of the Danish population as, as users. I uh, much rather want to hit, you know, people in, in countries where, where they, they might not uh, necessarily have uh, the same opportunities as we have just because they're born there. Super cool. Would you say the most exciting thing about crypto for you is that anyone can participate and it's an open system? that's uh, open for anyone that wants to be kind of uh, to engage and kind of, yeah, be involved? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and you also see with, with DeFi, right, that it, it's really like the first time in, in history where you are able to do, you know, financial transactions uh, without having a centralized counterparty. Um, you know, you, you can transact into a global economy uh, where the, the risk is spread out by, against a network uh, of many thousand uh, actors. Uh, so, so you know, it's it's definitely like the, the of course, like what Bitcoin came with was the ability to you know send transactions without any middlemen and you know have these like purely peer to peer transfers that you know wasn't you know physical cash. Um, but but you know as the as the space matures and a lot of the innovation we've seen uh, lately, uh, some of it you know for for better and some of it for worse. I think you know there was a little bit too much hype around. Some stuff over the summer that not necessarily was the most useful. Uh, it was fun, but it was wasn't very useful. Um, but you know the ability to actually uh, do you know more complicated transactions and, and financial transactions into these networks, I think is is really really exciting, right? Um, and it's something that that you know um, it 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 is it is proven now that you know it definitely can can serve people in a in a better way than than they can you know be serviced in, in a lot of local economies all over the world. So from where we go from here is really just to like try and, and scale that up to something where you know people feel comfortable using it, uh, it matures, and and you know we can include as many people uh, as possible. Uh, so I think I think that that's that's definitely like very very interesting and very exciting uh, for everyone working in this space. And you know it's it's also like um, whenever you work here, um, you know you you have kind of like a sense of purpose, right? You know a lot of people one thing that they would you know weight quite highly in their jobs is that they, you know, have some kind of like value-driven uh, mission. Um, and, 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 you know, I think this is, you know, a very, very good place to kind of like get that desire uh, served. I agree. And we'll dive into more about the challenges and also about the things you're doing at Maker. But just on a note around DeFi, um, so soon after DeFi, there was a, a big boom uh, around NFTs. Why do you think that was? Um, I mean... So I've been like a personal fan of of NFTs and, and blockchain gaming for like a long, long time. And, and you know, as, as part of my Asia trip, I, I visited because a lot of the gaming companies come from, from Asia, right? So I visited the Axie Infinity team, Item Games in Korea, um, My Crypto Heroes in Japan. And, and you know, like, so I've been like a, a big believer for like a very long time about like what these things can do and, and you know, the interesting aspects of it. Um, I think one thing that might have been holding it back a little is, of course, these are like a lot of them are like small game studios, for example, who's developing these these projects, right? So it takes longer time, quite resource heavy, um, but 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 now they they finally you know got the chance to to blossom and and you know it seemed like more and more people you know opened their eyes to what what the potential for these things could be. Uh, so I think it it's been it's been very, very interesting, and I, and I think a, a big part of it is. So, so first off, like whenever you have something that like attracts a lot of value in crypto, right? It naturally dwindles down to some of the other areas, right? So, for example, uh, you know, a big part of like the ICO boom was driven by a, like a very exploding Bitcoin price, right? Because if one of with one of the assets or like a sector goes up a lot, then you know 
automatically people will start, you know, taking some profits, they'll reinvest their money into other stuff. And I think like some of that happened to the NFT space that, you know, people who might have made, you know, money on, on, on DeFi, they, they started, you know, diversifying a little bit and, and adding some money into, into NFTs. And at the same time, I think it also just hit like a sweet spot, this, a little bit the same with DeFi that, you know, all of a sudden there was actually, you know, like quite a few very strong projects out there. So, you know, if you go just like a year back, like the, the blockchain gaming scene and NFTs in general was, was very, very vanilla, right? Um, there was n- none, none of the games were really finished. Uh, most of the platforms were like very young, not a lot of activity. But, but of course, like as they get developed, and, and this is something we see, we see a lot, right? That, you know, you need a lot of the, you know, like the fundament needs to be laid before, you know, real activity can happen. And I think like it kind of like hit like a sweet spot that, that DeFi and NFTs hit at the same time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we've also seen um, projects like Axie, for example, you know, associate themselves a lot with DeFi. Uh, so, so, and this is something they have, they have done like ever since I met them, right? Uh, Jiho, uh, one, one of the guys from there, um, you know, he, he has been talking about this for like a long, long time. Uh, so kind of like seeing how, you know, the thoughts that that he had before play, played out, uh, you know, as 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 you know, he believed that it would be, and, and they had a lot of plans for the future as well. So I think kind of like the the connection, the, a little bit of a natural connection between the, the two fields. So yeah, I think I think you know, it's sometimes you just have like a lot of these factors that kind of like line up, and then you know that uh, that justifies you know like a, a you know a, a short term very high growth. I think there's definitely the space does feel more connected. I think interoperability is a, is a good thing. With that said, as well, are you bullish on collateralized NFTs or even other digital assets? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think uh, I think it. You know, we have also seen you know um, a lot a lot of the games they have you know like a floor a floor price kind of like for certain types of assets. So you actually you know can develop methodologies to price these specific assets, right? Um, we've also seen, you know, companies like like Centrifuge, for example, or Shuttle One, taking in more traditional NFTs, um, you know, like invoices and other terms of like short debt debt in- instruments, and you know, um, using them, you know, in a bundle form to to create uh, a, a collateral type, right? An EOC twenty collateral type. So so you know, as as the space grows, of course, right now. I think if you take the entire the entire market of like each individual game, it's still relatively small. But you know, you can imagine that you know when all the the in-game items of a game you know reaches the market cap of let's say fifty or sixty million, right? Um, then it might you know start to become very attractive collateral, um, and and you know these types of of collateral you know could could be implemented directly inside the game, right? So you know you could imagine that you you went to a game and inside the game there would be a mega bank. That would just be, you know, like the game's front end to a vault, and, and you could interact directly with the protocol through that one. Uh, of course, they need to pass governance uh, of the system and everything like that. Uh, but I think over time, it, it's something that you know, like the community, of course, needs to vote it through. But but I'm very, I'm very bullish on on these things happening. Um, there's all, also already some platforms that 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 you know does it in in their own way. Uh, NFT uh, Fire, I think one of them is called. Where you know it's it basically you know like very similar to to the way the maker system uh, works, uh, except that it's it's peer to peer based you know similar to Compound, um, and then you know you can you can collateralize NFTs uh, to get Dai or ETH loans. Um, so so it's definitely something that that you know I I could imagine happening in the future. Um, <clears throat> I think I think it makes a a great use case. I personally hope so. Um, focusing back on DeFi. Um, there's been a lot of traction, obviously, for the last few months, as you mentioned. Where do you see it going? Do you think this uh, the growth is sustainable? I think we, like, I personally believe that we will definitely see, you know, sustainable growth happening. You probably won't see like a 10x of value lock in the matter of like a couple of months. Um, but but as DeFi matures, you'll also see a lot more collateral types being used, right? So so I think one of the things that was Holding back DeFi a little bit earlier was was the fact that you know you 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 could for example only collateralize with ETH in the beginning, right? So you, that that meant that you need to capture like a significant portion of just the ETH market. 
Um, and, and at Maker, we like right now we are more than two percent of all Ethereum is, is in our protocol. Um, and I think if you take it, you know, over all the DeFi projects, you know, you, you could probably hit I don't know around like eight to ten percent or something. So so from like that individual asset, it could be pretty difficult to scale DeFi up to having much more unless Ethereum price exploded. Um, but but you know as as we also see now, for example, with with Maker and and I know also Ave has has been working on some stuff on that end. Is that you're looking at, you know, can we take, you know, traditional assets, real world assets in, in, a, in a tokenized form, in a blockchain form um, and use them as collateral and, and thereby, you know, start serving, you know, more traditional businesses and, and you know, more regular people, I would say. So, so you know, one of the big uh, things that the community at Maker has been working on a lot um, is, is, you know, onboarding new collateral types. So, so you know, being able to capture... Uh, you know, bigger markets of individual assets, that's difficult, but to add new markets of, of new assets, um, that, 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 that is easier, right? Um, so I definitely think we'll see like a pretty big growth in, in DeFi overall. Um, I think it's also just one of the, the few places in crypto where you kind of like have strong utility uh, with your assets. Um, so, you know, it, I think it's very attractive for people to take part of. Um, and especially now when we see E2.0 coming out, um, I know that, of course, like a lot of people, they, they believe that um, E2.0 will, will you know, be able to take out quite a lot of collateral from uh, DeFi. But, you know, I think we'll just see, you know, very, very well-built solutions that will allow to give you a representation of, for example, your stake ETH and be able to use that as collateral. So, so I, I, I think we'll definitely see like a growth but how, how aggressive it, it, it will be, I think that will be, uh, that'll be the question, right? Um, but, but hopefully it will definitely, you know, continue to have, you know, a very positive, sustainable growth as we have seen, you know, over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm super excited for the kind of next updates and where this space is going to go. I think it's going in a, a great direction. For the listeners who might not be too familiar with DeFi and I guess some newcomers, why should they particularly care about DeFi compared to kind of maybe some of the traditional options? Um, I mean, I think it depends on, on you know what your situation is and, and what your goals are. Um, if you already hold digital assets, um, you know, caring about DeFi could be a way of you know increasing you know your return, increasing your exposure. Um, so you know, even if you just you know hold Bitcoin or even if you just hold ETH, uh, there's some like you know. By this time, like relatively battle-tested solutions, where you can you can gain like a pretty attractive yield on on those types of assets. Also, if you just hold stable coins, so I think you know if you're just like a user who already has digital assets, you know, caring about DeFi is a, is a way for you to you know further increase your exposure to the space. Um, if if you come from some of these places, you know, where you are having problems with getting money in, in and out of the country, you know, due to you know local restrictions. Um, or you know, just you know, very expensive traditional fees. Um, caring about DeFi is, is you know like a way for you to actually increase you know the the, the money you have after doing you know certain types of transactions. Um, and and you know one of our biggest markets, for example, is actually Argentina. We we have a team there and I've seen tremendous growth in in the retail market there. Um, and that that is very tied to the peso being very strong uh, capital. Uh, controls being enforced by the government, and then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you know you almost cannot get dollars in and out of the country, and, and you know there's a very strict limit of only allowing you to buy around a hundred bucks a month uh, with your pesos through your bank. Um, so then you're in a situation where where you know crypto gives you very strong you know real life utility um, because if if the local inflation rate is is you know fifty sixty percent. You know, then then you definitely don't want to be holding that local currency, right? Um, so so that that is that is you know like a, a direct opportunity for you to actually uh, be able to you know effectivize uh, your, your your daily transactions. The password for this week's challenge is unbiased currency. To claim your limited edition NFT, please visit openworlds.fm/members. You can find the instructions on our Twitter or on our Substack. So, Gustav, can you tell us more about Maker? I understand there's a DAO, a foundation, and obviously DAI as well, which is the uh, the currency. How does everything link together, and what's the overall mission? 
Yeah, so 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 Maker uh, is the project that that is over all, all the way back from 2015. Um, so it actually predates Ethereum, um, and and Maker uh, was really you know uh, created to be able to, to create utility against you know an asset that, that you know the people wanted to be holding, which was uh, Ethereum, right? Uh, so to create these kind of like on-chain um, uh, you know deposits um, that then would in in a, in a sense, create a, a stabilized version of Ethereum, which is which is Dai. So so Dai is basically a stablecoin um, that is is you know it's it's created to um, you know kind of like maintain the core value proposition of of what Bitcoin is and set out to solve, which is you know this peer to peer transactional uh, you know currency uh, is a global network, no intermediaries, nothing like that. Uh, and then it added stability to it uh, while keeping the decentralization, right? So, you know, in, in contrast to the other stablecoins you see in the market, like USDC and USDT, for example, uh, you know, I personally like USDC as well. Uh, USDT, I'm, I'm not so sure about, but, but you know, um, these centralized stablecoins, you, you basically hold uh, someone else's bank deposit, right, on the blockchain, in a, in a blockchain form. Um, and it also means that that by doing so, you're you're somehow you know um, you're, you're influenced by the the local environment where these deposits are put, right? So you basically get kind of like an exposure to the regulatory system around where the, the deposits are kept, as well as as you know a, an exposure to to the counterparty who's issuing these these assets, right? Um, so so Dai in that sense is is you know not centralized. It's it's purely made from these user deposits of the blockchain that that use their assets to collateralize um, a Dai with. Uh, so every every single Dai is over collateralized. It's verified by the blockchain, um, and it also creates you know the ability to be to basically doing be able to do like you know collateralized loan. So you know similar to like a mortgage where you know you you give your houses you you know you buy a, buy a house and use that house as collateral. To to uh, to the bank to basically get a mortgage, um, dies then you know collateralizing digital assets um, to be able to to give people uh, a line of credit. Um, so so in 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 that sense, it, it kind of like um, die represents itself as like a completely unbiased currency, right? Uh, it's completely separated from like political and jurisdictional scrutinies and issues. It's tapped in directly to the global network that is Ethereum. Uh, you know, the, there's, there's, the, the protocol itself has, you know, it doesn't have an entity, right? It's, it's a purely blockchain-driven project. Um, and behind it is then the Mega Foundation. So, so the Mega Foundation is basically the project who has developed a lot of the tools for this. Um, there's also been other parties involved in it. Um, but, but the Mega Foundation is then also where, you know, we, we have people such as myself, Know, helping, for example, with the business development, the marketing, uh, you know, doing different projects within the ecosystem, uh, and and so in that sense, you know, the, the protocol itself is completely governed by the community, uh, and and you know, the foundation doesn't have any special rights, any say over what the protocol does or or how it acts, um, and 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 everything done on the protocol level is done by a DAO, as you say, like a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, however, of course, to to launch something as as you guys probably also know, MegaDAO is a quite complicated protocol, right? Um, and and you know if you look at a lot of the different things that so first of the tech, the technology itself is quite complicated, right? It also has an, an incredibly high level of of security, right? Um, but it's it's very complicated. Uh, but also things is like governance, right? How do you you know? Put certain, you know, how do you price certain risks in the system? How do you price interest rates? How do you price these different, uh, you know, variables that are in the system? That is, for example, you know, the risk parameters we call them around a, a specific collateral type. All of those things are done in, in like a decentralized uh, network. Um, so, so, uh, but, but, you know, like a, a protocol which is that advanced, um, you know, has needed a lot of support. Um, and and you know the goal from day one has been you know complete decentralization, uh, but of course like you know until it's launched, uh, when the first version launched and so on, the, the governance was still decentralized, but but there was still a lot of um, you know the things in the protocol that was you know still being built. Uh, so that that is what the foundation has been you know a pretty big uh, part of, and 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 also working um, 
with with you know uh, a lot of in in house developers and, and external developers as well. Um, and 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 one of the big things that that also has been happening is that you know of course you you want to have a lot of thought process going into managing the overall risk of the system, right? So you know. Uh, what happens on the blockchain is that whenever a transaction occurs or or is you know completed, uh, it it is you know non-reversible, right? Um, so so that basically means that that you know whenever you have transactions going through, like you you cannot like call someone a mess and to like you know revert the tran- the transaction. So that also means that when when you have uh, a, a network that works like that, uh, you know. Building a protocol that is to be completely decentralized is a tremendous amount of work, and you need a lot of thought process going into how does everything work. Also, in you know extreme edge cases, so you know if something goes wrong, how do we deal with that without putting you know user funds at risk, uh, or you know in any way harming the users of the protocol? Because if something happens on the protocol level, you know it, it, it definitely shouldn't be you know something that would hurt the users, right? Uh, so I think that's also something we have seen like a lot of. Um, attention on in the last couple of years is how these decentralized protocols really needs to be, you know, completely, you know, bulletproof in, in a sense. Because if there is a mistake uh, in a network like this, you know, there will be people who will try to abuse it or attack it. Um, so, so you know, putting a tremendous amount of work into the security of it has also been like a, a very big, big part of it. Um, but 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 yeah, basically, you know, MegaDAO is the protocol that allows you to fill up collateral. MegaDAO issues die, uh, so we we kind of like have some different stakeholders around that: the die users, the people who puts in collateral, the people who votes with the Mega token who's participating in governance, and then we kind of like have the foundation, which is you know kind of like supporting the ecosystem, and of course, is also a part of the ecosystem. Yeah, thanks for breaking that down. It sounds like such a huge kind of initiative and obviously so many people are backing these efforts as well. I'd like to understand a bit more about some of the challenges that makers kind of faced and particularly any key lessons that you learned along the way as well. Um, so, I mean, I think I think a lot of the challenges um, that the community faces, you know, moving forward is, is really, you know, how do you take the, the, the protocol and the DAO from, from what it is now Kind of like being a, a self-sustainable, you know, ecosystem and entity, right? Um, a lot of the work is already being laid out now. So, for example, uh, there's these people who started to come aboard working directly for the protocol, called elected paid contributors. So, you know, if if there's like a problem within the ecosystem and you can solve it, you can basically be paid directly from the DAO itself to come in and, and do that task. Um, and that is a way of, you know, kind of like decentralizing the workforce who is actually working on the protocol um, and, and, you know, basically being able to tap into a global market of, you know, very smart and intellectual people and motivated people who want to contribute to this mission, right? So, so right now we're seeing, a, a, you know, more and more work being done uh, on that front, um, especially uh, in regards to something we call domain teams. Domain teams is basically, you know, Certain groups working with, for example, smart contracts, uh, risk management, uh, or other topics that is like close to to what the protocol is, um, and there they can basically, you know, be be paid by the protocol for their contributions, um, voted in by by the community. So I think you know, um, whenever you know people they talk about decentralization as something that is you know uh, just like it's there, it's present in in, in you know in, in the crypto space. Uh, but, you know, if you actually look at, you know, the projects that are truly decentralized, there's not a lot. I mean, you, you really need to put a lot of work and effort into creating, you know, a framework that, that is actually able to sustain a truly decentralized network. Uh, and especially if you have, you know, protocols that require maintenance, active decisions and upgrades, for example, such as, such as Maker. Um, because, you know, something like Bitcoin is, is, you know, very beautiful in the sense that, you know, um, it doesn't really require a lot of maintenance or you know upgrades or dev work, uh, but you know a protocol like like Maker, you know where the idea is is you know right now there's around 15 different collateral types in the protocol. There's around 30 more in the queue, but you know the the goal of the community is to onboard maybe a thousand, right? So if you if you have that much work that needs to be done, you need to have a very clear way of you know how do you how do you how are you able to to finance this, and this is done via, for example, the stability fees. 
how you're able to choose people who should work on the different projects, how you're able to tap into that workforce. So, you know, actually achieving true decentralization on a project that is, you know, built in the way that, that a lot of DeFi projects are, that is, you know, incredibly difficult. So before we start talking about uh, DAI and gaming, over the past year, the Maker Foundation community has grown very impressively. I'm really curious to understand how this has been possible and especially what you did to find your first users. Um, so I think um, the, the beautiful thing about, you know, uh, again, working on something like Ethereum, which is a truly global network, is that, you know, from, from day one you launch, you actually have global access, right? So, so kind of like per that standpoint, uh, already from day one, because when, when Mega launched, um, you know, way back uh, in, in 2017, it, it was very revolutionary, right? This was the first project that really did anything like this on Ethereum. Um, so, 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 you know, from day one, there was a lot of interest. Um, also because like back then, it was mostly a, a way for people to basically go, go long on the Ethereum, right? So they would, they would you know, lock up Ethereum that they didn't want to sell and they could take DAI out against it and spend it or buy more Ethereum, or, you know, do whatever they wanted. It was kind of like a way for people to, to maintain their Ethereum stack, right? Um, so so from already, already from day one, there was, there was quite a lot of interest around, you know, that specific use case. And, and then, you know, over time, uh, of course, like the, the community has grown so, so, so much since then. Um, and I think one of the, the approaches that, that the foundation took very early on was to make sure that, that we had a presence in, in every single market in the world, right? So, so we basically uh, have had, you know, business and community people in South America, Southeast Asia, China, uh, Korea, Japan, uh, Europe, of course, a lot in the U.S., um, ambassadors, uh, you know, in, in a lot of Southeast Asian countries and several African countries several South American countries, several European countries. But basically, we have had, you know, both full-time employees, you know, rep- representing the community and business interests in every single region, as well as having a lot of local ambassadors that could help us, you know, evangelizing uh, the message from, from like a relatively early stage. Um, so so by, by doing so, they kind of like had always been, you know, a, a, so, 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 so some of those protocols, you know, the other protocols, they... They have like a presence, you know, for example, a strong presence in the U.S. because that's where the team is based. But like if people from like Southeast Asia, China or Europe or someone wanted to, to talk with the team, they had to talk with the guys in the U.S. So but we had like localized all those pr- presences. Right. So very quickly, the community kind of like knew that if they came with specific proposals on like certain topics, they, they could go via the local represent, re- representation. Right. So, for example, now if people in Europe, want to, you know, get in touch with us on, on business, you know, they would, you know, if they ask, you know, most people or if they ask anyone from the team, they would get directed to me. Um, the same in, for example, gaming, all of our gaming partners know that, you know, if anyone wants to talk gaming, they will just, you know, do an intro to me and, and you know, I, I can help them out. Um, so, you know, from like a very early point, kind of like try to use uh, the individual network of, of the people that we have around in, in these countries, kind of like start becoming, you know, very easy to work with, I would say. Um, so in that sense, you know, we were very, very early on saw like a, a strong need for like a community and business presence all over the world. And then we have, you know, really used that to kind of like materialize strong partnerships and relationships in, in every single part of the world. That's really good to know. And I think it pays uh, great credit to Maker's exponential growth. I'm keen to understand more about why is Maker keen to get involved in the gaming sector? Yeah, so, so I mean, uh, I would say that, you know, um, often, whenever you talk about uh, doing business, right, you you often look at you know like int- interesting verticals, right? Um, and and from from like w- what we have what we have had seen at that point was that there was this um, you know emerging blockchain gaming space. Uh, it made a little bit of a bust, uh, the NFT space with the crypto kitties, and it, it died down you know quite a lot. <clears throat> and, and then there was a lot of these projects that were kind of like building, right? Um, and then when we just went in and kind of like looked at like, so what, what are some of the characteristics of, of this space, right? So first off, you know, uh, this, this, you know, could potentially uh, theoretically be collateral in the future, right? If these things take off, there might be a lot of value uh, in these systems. Um, and another thing is, 
that that uh, whenever you have a blockchain game or like an NFT or something, uh, you want to buy it with something that can be used as a unit of account, right? And Ethereum doesn't really work as a unit of account. Um, you know, some people believe it does, but a unit of account is something that you know you can price things in, right? So you know, if you go down and buy a cup of coffee, well, how much would that cost in Ethereum? Well, I have no idea because I don't know the price of the day. Uh, you know, I don't want to you know buy my coffee with something that's like zero point zero zero something. So so you know, quite quickly we saw that okay, so when these games start to launch, we knew that a lot of stuff's being developed. We kind of like wanted DAI to manifest itself as this unit of account, right? Uh, and at the same time, um, you know, one cool thing is that a lot of these games, they have like their own personal currency. But like, let's say you're a person who likes to play a lot of different games. You know, instead of you having to have all of these local currencies, you can just come with DAI and DAI is actually being usable in a lot of the games. Uh, so we kind of like, you know, wanted to be able to give them something they could price their stuff in, bring, you know, all the good abilities of DAI. Um, and at the same time, see if we could create, you know, what would be like a, a universal gaming currency, right? Um, and another thing is also, I think, like the target group of people uh, playing these games is, is, you know, very, very strong for us. Um, and, and, you know, we, we also hope in the future that it will be more possible for us to, to dive into, you know, more traditional games. So, you know, for example, we also, we just launched a, a collaboration with First Blood, uh, which is, a, you know, a, a, a blockchain like crypto gaming platform, but it focuses on on more traditional games. Um, we we have also um, you know some some other really big partnerships in, in the pipeline uh, coming out. Uh, you know also with a stronger focus on traditional games. So so you know we we hope that that this could kind of like be a stepping stone into a traditional gaming space where we also think DAI would be a strong currency uh, because you have you know a global audience, a global player base. Um, who doesn't necessarily have a PayPal account or you know a credit card or whatever they want to to transact, uh, but you know digital currency actually makes sense. Um, but but really, like what it started out with was just that we saw we saw a lot of potential in this space very early on, and we decided from a very early stage uh, to you know put a lot of energy and time in, and we've been running bounty programs for these companies that can do tournaments and die. Uh, been doing a lot of work on like getting them to integrate die. Uh, we also have a lot of die branded NFTs from different campaigns we've been running, um, but but you know we we really just believe that that this would be something that eventually would really take off. Yeah, definitely agree. Have you had a chance to interact with any crypto games personally? But it could be yeah, games experiences. I know you mentioned Axie as well, but would love to hear. Yeah, I mean for sure. I've, so I mean I I know a lot of the teams quite well. Um, so I've, I've met with you know a lot of the different games. Um, I've, I've played Axie as well. Um, there's also you know I've had a lot of uh, interaction with the the team behind Battle Racers, for example. Um, I've also played some of the the card games like Skyweaver, um, Crypto Wars. We we had some of my colleagues participate in a tournament in New York actually of that one where we also did some buy prizes. Um, I'm very excited for some of the Animoca. Games coming out like you know F1 and MotoGP. Um, also been playing like they had this uh, game on Telegram as well. Uh, we've also you know uh, you know we're in, in great talks with with Animoca too uh, on, on on some stuff. We've already had that accepted in in their pre-sale for for F1. Um, so you know we, we we definitely I've definitely had like a lot of personal interactions with a lot of the different games and, and you know I I often like to to try them out. Uh, I think. So I, I actually I really like to play Hearthstone uh, normally, um, you know, which is also like a, a card game. Uh, and I think a lot of the a lot of the crypto games currently they are these kind of like turn based uh, games. So uh, so I think there's there's a, there's a lot of them I think are interesting. Um, and and uh, and yeah, and and I know a lot of the teams uh, relatively well. Uh, you know, we also have we have a, a maker headquarters, or not headquarters, but a maker house in Decentraland. Uh, we we have a lot of uh, land in in sandbox as well, um, so I, I would say that you know we we're definitely uh, trying to be you know up, up on the beat with a lot of these organizations and you know support them in in any way we can and and you know in, in return try to do something cool with them. Super cool. And what do you think the future holds for a lot of these um, yeah crypto based games? Do you think they're here to stay? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, whether whether the ones that we we, we see currently 
uh, all of them will be here. That's difficult to say, right? And also, if you look at like traditional gaming studios, you know, they they make so many games and release a lot of new stuff all the time. And so, manifest it yourself as one of these like indie games, which I think is a little bit the category that a lot of these crypto games fall in under. And um, that's really difficult, right? Uh, I think you know we have seen a lot of promise from Axie. Uh, you know, they they have like more than ten thousand monthly active users now playing the game uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, they really started, you know, emphasizing this like play to earn, uh, you know, where, for example, we we have, have had a lot of talk with with some partners in the Philippines that, you know, a lot of people locally in the Philippines were actually playing Axie, get food on the table uh, because they could sell in-game items they're winning. Um, so, you know, if, if, if the games manages to catch such a network effect that you can actually earn, you know, what would be, you know, like a little bit less than a minimum wage in the U.S., um, but that is actually potentially a pretty good salary in, in an emerging economy. Uh, that is something that just attracts a lot of attention and users, right? I think, you know, in terms of like how, how ref- refined the games are and, and you know, they, they might need to be polished a little bit, some of them. Um, you know, of course, if you, you know, battle against the biggest game studios in the world, it's difficult to make something on, on equal quality from day one. Um, but I see a lot of promise, uh, especially in, in, you know, the NFT side of things. Uh, the gameplay needs to develop, of course, uh, but I think uh, the NFT side of it is is really interesting, right? Um, and you also see today that that like a lot of the games, like the big games, for example, like uh, Dota 2 or Counter Strike, uh, which is you know probably two of the biggest games in the world, they have a lot of these like very expensive in-game items, you know, um, and and. For them, for example, if you could have them in an NFT form, that would be incredible, right? Or, you know, your gear in WoW or something similar, right? Um, where you could actually, you know, without having to go through these, you know, sell your skin Russian website, but you could actually transact it directly on the blockchain. Uh, that could be like a completely new way for, you know, gamers to actually be re- rewarded for the time they put into these games in, in a way we haven't really seen before. Definitely. And earlier this year, I think it was, I saw that make. Uh released a gaming initiative announcement. Um, love to understand who actually came up with this idea and essentially what, what it means for gaming companies going forwards. Yeah, so that was, that was uh, like some of the work we, we had done in, internally in, in the BD team. Um, you know, we had, we had talked about how do we get a way that you know, we can actually align the interest between us as well as uh, the game that we want to be working with. Um, and, and that was, you know, like a way to create, because we were already trying to, you know, like, you know, help them with tournaments, uh, you know, doing campaigns where, you know, we could distribute dive via the game or something. So we actually just came up with like more of a, a formalized framework of like, you know, keep being able to reward games a certain amount of dive to do some cool event inside the game if they started working with us. Uh, so it was something that we came up with internally at the BD team. Uh, of course, work on it with the marketing team. Um, and, and then, you know, since then, I think we've had 15 or 20 games, uh, something like that, join us. I don't have the exact numbers uh, by hand. We had like something like around that number, 15 to 20 games that, you know, joined us and started accepting die and did events and tournaments or, you know, some other kind of like distribution inside the game uh, using die. Uh, so it's been pretty successful already. And, and kind of like what we want to use this to is that, you know, over time, we want as many games as possible to have die. And we want to help them, you know, kick, kickstart that process, right? So it won't be like a pain for them to, you know, take away their precious dev hours from building the game to, to do something with die, but they can actually do it and, you know, make a way of acquiring users or creating some buzz around the game uh, together with us. So, so like moving forward, you know, if, if there's any games out there that, you know, is, is, is looking for stablecoin or any games that thought that that could be interesting. Uh, it would be great, you know, to connect with them. And, and you know, we, we, we really want to help this space a lot. And, uh, you know, right now, we, we don't know what's going to be the, the biggest game in the future. So we, we, we haven't really, we, we don't really discriminate, right? I mean, of course, we need to see that it as a working game, but, but we don't really sit and, and you know, discriminate on, on, you know, what that specific game is or the target audience, anything like that. We just try to like work with as many as possible. That's fantastic. So it seems like Dai is obviously an integral part of uh, the gaming initiative. With that in mind, how are you motivating gaming companies to use Dai? Yeah. So, so I mean, first off, we we have we have we have quite a 
decent track record now of like you know the benefits of like why they should use dye, um, and and then you know we have been looking at you know uh, these campaigns that we're running with them. So for example, depending on like the dye integration you do, you get like a bounty of like fifteen hundred dye or twenty five hundred dye to do some kind of in game uh, tournament, right? Um, so, and, and, you know, we, we also reward them for creativity. So, you know, you know, if you come up with something really cool, like PVP style tournament or something using dye, uh, you, you might get like a higher bounty. Um, and then we, we have like all the, all the benefits of having, you know, something like a stable coin inside the game. Uh, we've also actually been looking at some, some like pretty interesting things, uh, in my opinion that, you know, like if you, if you accept die as a game and, and you give, give some way of like rewarding people inside the game in die, you, you can actually see a pretty big percentage of the money that you reward people go back into buying more stuff inside the game. You can actually create this kind of like almost positive feedback loop, you know, where, where you know, you can do like really cheap marketing campaigns because the, the currency kind of like moves around in a circle, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, we, I think, we we understand the space relatively well, so you know I, I believe we we are like a pretty pretty decent partner who tries to work with them more than than you just like a, a simple integration. And as a result of the uh, die integration, what are some of the immediate benefits that you've started to notice for the players and also the creators? Is there, is there any data or stats that you can share with us? Um, so I'm not sure if I have any statistics I can I can share publicly, um, but. But I mean, so so like the, the the first the first thing that the, the players will notice, right, is is that they they will you know get some kind of like reward, like they can participate in a tournament or you know some something around that, right. And then the next thing is that a lot of these games, if you had to buy the in-game currency or something, it it might seem like a much you know steeper step into actually start playing the game. But you know, a lot of people that already have die. I mean, die is one of the most widely used. Uh, you know, cryptos in the Ethereum space. Um, so a lot of people who then, you know, might be flying around in the, in the gaming space who's already, you know, doing something with DeFi or something, they'll most likely have some DAI lying around. So it's also just like a, a great user acquisition tool, right? That you can come in with this kind of like universal currency and, and participate in the game. Um, and, and from the campaigns that we have seen, we, we have seen and, and heard from a lot of the games that they see like very positive, like user interactions with the game. And, and, you know, by having, you know, these like, you know, die onboarding mechanisms, they're actually able to onboard uh, like quite a lot of users in, in, in like a relatively short time compared to, you know, their previous numbers. Um, so, so like so far, we, we have had like very, very positive feedback. Sure. I'd also love to hear about some of the considerations uh, that Maker has in place to keep crypto onboarding frictionless and as easy as possible, which is obviously complementary to, to a nice gaming experience. Yeah, so so I mean, I think um, in in general, the the crypto space definitely needs a better UX, right? So right now, it's you know, if you already have crypto, you're kind of like relatively good to go. But but if you need to go out and like acquire it first, like that, that is something that is definitely more more difficult. So so uh, on that front, we you know we try to work with as many exchanges and on and off ramps as possible all over the world. So right now, we have we actually have most of the world covered. Of course, some places are much cheaper than others. Um, but you know, we try to work with all the the leading um, companies on that front, um, and and also looking to launch a couple of products uh, ourselves next year that that should help hopefully help uh, with this. Um, the products that we're doing, I, I can't quite announce them yet, but but they're basically focused on what we would call the crypto casual user. So you know, creating products that look you know what people use in their everyday life, um, but you know. Certain parts of the foundation has been working on, you know, making this something uh, that you know could help onboard people, especially in, in some of these emerging markets. Sounds really exciting and something that I'll definitely look forward to. And lastly, on the topic of Dai, when it comes to transacting in the game, are the users expected to pay high transaction fees on the network, or have you got a bit of a workaround? Um, so, I mean, a lot of the games already run on side chains. So, and and you know. Um, uh, for example, actually, they announced their own sky sidechain. You also have, you know, something like Loom. They moved a little bit away from games now, but Matic, for example, also serves a lot of the games. So I think um, from from like uh, you know, even before the gas price spike this summer, a lot of the games were already you know going moving away from from Ethereum mainnet and moving into sidechains. 
so because like if you have like a if you have like a, a game is is more siloed than like normally crypto would be, right? Most of the assets only exist inside the game. You wouldn't necessarily want to move them out. Um, all the actions you do inside the game kind of like you know exist only in the game. So you're actually okay with being on a side chain where you kind of like lose a little bit of the network effects, but but you you gain a lot of uh, you know speed and you gain you know you you reduce the fees a lot. So we we actually already saw a lot of the games you know working on side chains already being on side chains, um, and and I think that that is definitely like a, a strong start to it. Um, you can imagine in ETH 2.0 you would have you know shards where like only games would be present or something like that. Just on that note, um, given there are so many other exciting dApps um, which are on other blockchains, are there any plans for Dai to be more interoperable? Um, we actually like Dai. Dai today is actually on a lot of other blockchains already, um, and this has come, you know, almost purely driven by you know the other main nets who wanted Dai. So you know we have Dai on Clayton, which is the the Korean blockchain issued by Kakao. You know the biggest Korean tech company. Uh, we also have Dai on like Ontology. Uh, it's on Neo. Uh, Dai will be on Near. There's plans to get Dai on Polkadot, for example, um, on Solana as well. Um, so you know, like Dai is actually already being bridged to a lot of other mainnets. Um, I think you know the main protocol will will remain in Ethereum, uh, just because that's where like most of the assets are. Um, but, but, you know, whenever you want, you know, speed or, you know, some other way of transacting, uh, DAI can, can be bridged to these other mainnets. So that's something that we have seen quite a lot already, actually. And uh, on the layer two side, you know, DAI is already integrated into all the, all the layer two solutions that I, that I know personally. Um, so, so, you know, both, you know, all the side chains like Lumatic, um, it will also be on the Axie side chain. Um, you know, XDAI, you know, it's a sidechain using only DAI almost now. Uh, I, maybe they added some other assets. It used to be only DAI. And, and you know, on, on the newer solutions like, you know, Optimism that's coming out. Um, so, so, you know, on, on, on that front, you know, we like, we really see DAI as being chain agnostic, right? Um, the MegaDAO should be chain agnostic. Um, but, but of course, right now, most of the collateral is on Ethereum. It will be coming from Ethereum. And, and I don't see that changing in the near future. Uh, but, but for example, you know, um, I know that Polkadot is building a bridge that can, for example, uh, both send and call, uh, smart, send to and call from smart contracts on Ethereum. So they can basically do smart contract transactions via bridge. Uh, so, you know, the innovation around that could be that you potentially could have, you know, Polkadot assets that could go directly into a mega vault, you know, if the community would be, you know, so uh, okay with the setup that they would approve it, right? Uh, but like on that front, there's still also a lot of possibilities to be done. That's really good to hear. And I think it's a very good to have that option and to be kind of working across the kind of board. Um, so we only, we have time for one last question. And so are there any interesting developments or updates you can share from your side? I know there's some emerging kind of um, developments that you can't share, but is there anything that's kind of that we can expect? Um, so I think like when, when we go forward, um, you will see us doing a, a much bigger push uh, in regards to uh, emerging markets, for example. Um, you know, we, we, we have a very strong interest in, in keeping the activity of DAI high in those regions. Um, on that front, we will launch a couple of that will be launch a couple of products, um, as well as you know us really looking to engage with you know for example like the the peer to peer communities. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, stuff uh, on that front. For example, we launched uh, some we recently did uh, some stuff with Pundix, launching some expos, which is kind of like their onboarding uh, tool in in Ghana with our local ambassador there. Uh, you know, working with several projects in, in Africa, um, for example, like crypto locally, a peer-to-peer market. Uh, and we're really looking to tap into these like peer-to-peer and emerging market economies. And on the gaming side, you know, we, we, we constantly have things coming out. And, you know, we recently launched the, the first blood uh, um, collaboration. And, uh, and we definitely have a lot, of, lot more coming out on that front. So, you know... I think you know there'll there'll be plenty of news to to come out and and we have a lot of 
different departments working on a lot of things at the same time. Uh, you know, by now we have more than 850 partners globally that integrated DAI in some shape or form. Uh, and this is something that, you know, this, uh, this track record of, of increasing, you know, the ways that you can use, spend, hold and generate DAI, that is really, you know, the, the way that we're moving forward. I'm very much uh, looking forward to seeing more partnerships like First Blood and the like. I think that's really going to help to drive more awareness and more new users to the space and to become more aware of the benefits of um, projects like uh, Maker Foundation and Maker. Um, before I let you go, how can people get involved and keep in touch with all the work you're doing at Maker? Yeah, so, so I mean, uh, we actually have quite a few open positions uh, right now at Maker. So if you go to maker.com slash careers, uh, we both have within engineering... Uh, community development and, and project. So, you know, if, if that's something that you're interested in, you know, I would recommend go looking there. Um, if you're looking to just get involved in the space in general, you know, I think Twitter is a, is a, is a great but fast-paced source of information. And I would recommend that, you know, you start looking at some of the conferences that are being streamed all over the world. Um, go check it out at, at makeitout.com. Follow our Twitter for the newest partnership updates. Um, and yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, as many as you as possible would, would want to join the space. Um, it's, it's still very growing. Thanks so much, Gustav. It's uh, been a pleasure having you on today. And uh, yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you very much, Kiara.